This is BPN Radio, your 24-hour Internet prayer station with Dale Gentry and friends. Calling America to pray. A member of the Breakout Prayer Network. Let's pray, America. It's time now for the Warriors Watch with Pastor Callie Hargraves here on BPN Radio. Second Chronicles 23.6 says, And all the people shall keep the watch of the Lord. Now, here's your host for the Warriors Watch, my friend, Callie Hargraves. This is Pastor Callie Hargraves with Warrior Watch here on November the 2nd. We're so excited to have you tuned in with us today. Uh, we're going to have a wonderful program. I have a friend of mine by, by the name of Matt Pinnell, a mighty man of God, um, an entrepreneur. He was raised in the ministry. God has used him in a powerful way in a lot of different arenas. Right now he is building a, a really successful business. But he's also just uh, has a lot of revelation. I've heard him speak and teach and encourage. And uh, I wanted to have him on the program today. I also want to encourage you to support this ministry. Um, Dale and, and Jean Gentry, God called them to do this. They are literally raising up prayer warriors across America. The whole point of this radio broadcast is to encourage people to pray and to really, because um, prayer is what's going to change everything. Our gifts and talents are great, but without prayer, we're nothing. The body of Christ is arising, and I really believe that the giant is coming alive with prayer and fasting and seeking God for this country. I believe the greatest revival has already started in the spirit, and we're going to see it. But I'm so excited about having Matt here today. We're going to talk about divine order, and uh, I'm excited to hear what he has to say. He's a really good teacher, and he, more than that, he's anointed and has an amazing heart. Matt, glad to have you with me today. Can you uh, tell me what is divine order? Yes, ma'am. Thank you for having me. Um, well, well, first off, um, you know, I'll, I'll tell you a, a quick bit of my background to kind of to guide where I'm going with this because you know, I grew up, like you just said, a fifth generation preacher's kid, uh, and and like like we just discussed, I, I do have an accent. I'm from the South, so I grew up in the in the South in Tennessee and in the ministry, and and so what I tell a lot of people is I, I grew up. In church, but uh, it wasn't always necessarily that I grew up in Jesus. And um, a lot of times, you can get, you know, trapped in the emotions of every day. Of I have a title, or I go to church every week, so therefore, you know, I'm the best of the best. I'm I'm, I'm more Christian than another, or I've got it together. And on the inside, you're you're dying. And so for me. Um, the divine order actually changed years, years, years and years later for me is when I had my personal revelation around 2009 of what, you know, who Jesus was and how, actually how good he was and, yeah. and his love and his grace. And for me, um, I can kind of sum it up this way. This is kind of how I actually named my company React Life when I had to create an LLC for business and whatnot. <clears throat> so it's called React Life. So you, you'll understand this. You know, for uh, and we've probably had this conversation before um, in, in private, but I have it with a, you know a ton of my friends of of your whole life, and you can wrap up almost every church, every Christian in America or even in the world with these two ways: either action or reaction. 
And my whole life, I really felt like I was living a life of action where you go to Sunday school, you see the, the, the felt boards with Jesus and the, the waves and Peter and, and you, you see all the pictures and, and therefore then they lead you in a prayer at the end and tell you about the cross and Calvary and, and, then, and you give your life to the Lord at kids camp or some, some scenario just like that. So anyway, that happens. Well, then unroll the, 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 the 20 foot rule list of morals. Uh, that, that, uh, that gets longer every year as you get older. Of you don't, you don't say bad words. You don't um, hang out with people who do. Well, then it goes into all these rules over your lifetime, and your life becomes an action towards God from a from a decision that you made. So therefore, that's kind of your lifestyle. When you break a rule, condemnation rolls in, yeah. and so it's, it's over and over and over again of a life of action. And then. I think it's more the divine order, which that's out of order. The divine order to me is more so where I've got wrecked in 2009 when I had this encounter in my car after listening to a, a podcast from, I call my spiritual mentor, my pastor, Judah Smith in Seattle, Washington at the City Church. And he explained it was actually a message having to do with divine order. And basically it, it – is life of reaction. So basically what that means is you had an encounter with Jesus in his presence. He hit you in the chest. He hit me that day, crying my eyes out. I used to be the guy that could, he hit me with a Mack truck and I wouldn't cry. I'm getting up, I rock some dirt on it. I'm all good. No emotion. I'm tough. Um, and then immediately when I had this encounter with the physical presence of God, hitting me, understanding how good he is and how bad I was, but how much he loved me anyway. Yeah. You could play Toy Story 3, and I'm like, I'm finding Jesus in it somehow. Yeah. I'm crying. And, and, and so my life became a reaction to that encounter versus an action towards a mental decision that I made because I didn't want to go to hell, right. if that makes sense. Right. And that's so empty. That, that, that will never, that type of living for God will never ever last yeah yeah i mean it, it may last a long time because there's some people that have a really really strong will but if if it does mm-hmm. not translate at some point if you don't tra- if you don't make that transition from you know it's one thing to go to the altar and make a decision to live for christ but at some point he has to become your lover he has to become yeah. somebody you're in totally in love with and in, in a love relationship with on a daily basis because we're not strong enough to keep all the rules. <laughs> we're just not strong enough to keep all the rules. Only through that relationship can I mean if the rules and the and the statutes would have been enough, then we would have never needed Jesus because they had the rules with Moses. Right. They had all the yeah. rules. They had, yeah. I mean, they got the rules. They knew how to, they were instructed how to live holy, but they couldn't right. do it. So, right. it, it, it's, it's, if willpower was enough, we'd all be good. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah. So, you had this encounter with Jesus in 2009 where mm-hmm. you literally met Jesus in, in a relationship that changed you forever. All of a sudden, yeah. you realized that. 
It's not about Matt's works. It's not the fact that he doesn't cuss, smoke, drink, or run with those that do. It's not right. the it's not the fact that he's been he's been he's five generation Pentecostal boy. It's not right. the fact that he's been in church or that he's made decisions to do the right thing. But even in your weakness, even in things that you do, you you weren't victorious about that you probably told nobody about that Jesus still loved you so much, and it's just because he loves you. Isn't that right. amazing? Yeah, unreal. I mean, it's it one of those things, too, where, I mean, it's nobody's fault. I mean, my parents are awesome, and church is awesome, and, and it's just kind of like the, I was telling someone the other day is that, you know, I was on staff at churches, and w- was I saved? Yeah, probably. You know, I did meet Jesus when I was eight. You know, I said the prayer. I did have encounters with God earlier on, but it, it, mentally I, did, I couldn't grasp God's grace. And, and it could have been a mixture of who knows of all the different things I've heard over my life. But I've said the phrases, you know, in church before of God's grace is sufficient. But then I, I go, you know, fast forward to now when I say that same phrase, it'll bring you to tears because it means something different whenever I say so. Someone was probably saying the same thing that I was to me, but I wasn't catching it correctly. And so what I always you know, like to go back to is that that reaction thing. I was I was ninety percent on board. I actually heard a message from a guy named you know Joseph Prince, and and, and um, I was ninety percent on board with this whole you know Jesus thing. And, and honestly, you know, like I said, I'd already been saved. I've been on staff as a youth pastor at churches before, um, but it had become a job. It it, it become monotonous, and we all have those weak moments. And and um, I was struggling with a standard that we live by. I was struggling with, yeah, God's love is great. And anybody from a charismatic background has had this struggle and probably currently still does. And, and this could set somebody free who hears this. And this is what I feel like my whole life goal is now so people understand what I'm about to say is that, yeah, yeah, there is a standard you still live by. You can't sure. just get saved, say sure. a prayer, and then and like it's all good. You can just live like a heathen. So I was struggling with, Okay, God's grace is good enough. His grace is sufficient. He loves me no matter what. But where does where does it fall in line with, you know, I have to live. What's the order on that? Yeah, how now, what does that How do? does this how does this drill down into my practical life? And right. and how, you know, okay, I believe in God's grace and I know that he loves me and I I don't have to walk around worried that I'm going to make an infraction on these million rules, but I don't want to be swinging the other way. And, and I know that that's not God's plan either. I, I, I truly believe this is, this is how I see grace. Mm-hmm. This is how I see grace in a very simple way. God's grace is sufficient, but the mm-hmm. more in love with him I am and the more I understand his love and the more I walk in my true identity Sanctification is a byproduct of that. Yeah. It will draw me into a place of sanctification. And it's it's right. it's like you're getting ready to get married and you're mm-hmm. and you're an amazing young man. You're a handsome young man. And I'm sure and you're marrying a beautiful, amazing young woman. But I'm sure after you marry Mackenzie, that that won't yeah. be the last beautiful girl that you notice. Right. You'll notice other beautiful girls. But your love and commitment to Mackenzie will keep you faithful to her. 
Right. Because yeah. because yeah. because of how much you love her. And that's how grace operates. I think we fall so in love with Jesus that I don't want to just go out and do things that separate me from the Lord or that make right. me feel dis uh, uh you know make me feel bad. My love for him makes me want to draw closer to the Lord and I become more sanctified the closer I get. Yeah, it's. I just had this conversation with your nephew Jack, you know, a, a, a little bit ago, and, and and a couple other close friends. Is that the the place that you change, where where and 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 by the way, for people who hear the words "God's grace is efficient," there's a lot of people out there today who they say, "Well, he's a, he's a, <laughs> well, this is a funny statement. He's a grace guy. He's a grace preacher." And then there's another side that says, "Well, he's he's more of a legalistic preacher." I'm like. How do you classify who's a grace guy, who's not? I'm pretty sure Jesus is a grace guy. Right. Okay, I'm pretty Absolutely. sure. And, and, and so I, when I get classified in that term, what they're misunderstanding is this. When I say God's grace is so good, what I'm saying is that his throne is called the throne of grace. It's not called the throne of mercy or throne of salvation. It's called the throne of grace. Yeah. And it says bold, boldly walk with your head high to it. And here's the, here's the reason for that is we're never going to feel qualified, ever walk up to Jesus to his throne, ever. And if, you, if it's not the throne of grace— we're never going to even remotely boldly walk to that. So, in if he's there on the throne, that's where he is. You know, actually physically and you know spiritually, you know, speaking, that is the place where his presence is. Also, so therefore, the only place you change and we change is in his physical, in his presence. That's where we. Yeah. That's where you. That's where you don't want sin anymore. And so, when people say he's a grace guy, you got to be careful with that grace. You're gonna you're gonna cause people to sin. What I'm saying saying is grace is an access to Jesus. And once you have Jesus, you don't want sin anymore. And what they're assuming is, is that sin is better than Jesus. And sin's not better than Jesus. Sin is a byproduct of a heart. You're exactly right. Once I go to Neiman Marcus, I don't want to go back to Target. Exactly. I mean, now that might be my Texas way of saying it. But once (laughs) once you've experienced Jesus... And that the great and listen, the throne of you think of the throne of grace. Listen, even on my best day, even on my best day, when I've done dotted every T, when I've dotted every I, crossed every T, I've done perfect for years. I was strict Pentecostal. I had and there's nothing wrong with being Pentecostal, but I had long hair down to the back of my knees. I wore Mm -hmm. long long dresses. I looked I looked like an Amish girl, and. I didn't. I didn't watch TV. I, there's a lot, and, I, and you know what? We, we might be better off not watching TV now. That, that that's not a bad thing. But I, were you talking right. about you talking about following some legalistic rules and living a separated life? I lived a separated life. I mean, there was nothing. There was no mingling with the world. But right. but but on my best day, on my best day, I can't walk. To the throne of Jesus without His grace, right? Yeah. So, so and, you're and, so right. Yeah, and, and so basically, you know, divine order comes down to this. It comes down to, and this is you just left our church the collective, and our logo is a mixture of a heart, cross, and a crown. And so the heart is intimacy, is what it represents. It represents that intimate intimate relationship with Jesus, with access by His grace and His love. 
of. We have access to that. And once you're in that intimate relationship and physical presence of him, what that produces in you is an identity, which is the cross. Your identity is in the cross. And once you have that identity, then that produces over to authority, the crown. You have kingdom authority that you can take once you know who you are and whose you are. And so for me, you know, a lot of times it's whenever you, you know, growing up, it was kind of like my identity was, you know, what I, the church I went to or the things I didn't do instead of whose I was, whose I was and, and, and Jesus, you know, being my, my father and therefore me doing things out of love towards him rather than an obligation. So basically it's Jesus which produces the actions right. and from from the inside out. That's the divine order rather than the actions that produce Jesus to go, well, you've been good today. Well, that's, well, what, that's we- why Jesus, you, you know, you look at the few times that Jesus got angry and it was all around religious people doing religious acts, yeah. trying to be holy without holiness of heart. Holiness right. of heart is... Is what God is looking for. He's looking. And now, will that translate into my life? Will it better? I better start treating people more kind. I better be, you know, uh, repent. I better want to draw closer to the Lord. If you've yeah. really got an experience with the Lord, it's going to, the fruit of that is going to start manifesting in your life. But we can't get the cart before the horse. <laughs> right. Yeah, there's a, you know, pretty well-known pastor, Oru uh, McManus in California. And I, I saw a thing on him a few years ago. And I think it was NBC Dateline, I think. And they were doing a, you know, they followed him around for a few days. And they were doing an interview about his church. It was growing. And it was crazy in L.A. And, and basically at the very end, they said, you know what? We, what we noticed was that you guys didn't really preach a lot of morals. You didn't really tell people that really how to live. And it wasn't so much how to live. But do you, you really, you know, you know, can talk about people's actions a lot. You know, why is that? Aren't you supposed to teach people to be good people? And he said, you know what, we're in this crazy assumption. If we, if we show people Jesus, that they will, you know, change themselves. Yeah. They're emulating Christ. Right. Yeah. If we show people Jesus, he's going to take care of that. (laughs) And Jesus knows how to, he knows how to convict. Yes, he does. And, and, and there is a way to, you know, the bottom line is the church needs to, get back to teaching the gospel the gospel mm-hmm. and and, yeah. you, and you look at what jesus he taught the gospel it, it's about the gospel we teach the death burial and resurrection of christ we teach christ and him crucified we show people the way to the cross and then we we uh, help disciple them in the way in the ways of the lord and holiness and sanctification of heart will take place once the holiness of heart takes place the outward sanctification is a byproduct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's- yeah. It is totally. A, and I've had to, I had to dive into that study of what sanctification was even after that. And it's, it's progressive. It's every single day. Yes, and, 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 and it's one of those things where it's like, I'm not saying do what you want and get away with it. <laughs> I'm saying, you know, God's grace and love is so good. Once you have it, you won't ever want to go back and you'll wake up every day. And I think the struggle really where it comes down to is, is having faith. This is by faith through grace. We're saved having faith in that grace and believing it's actually for you every day. And his mercies are new every day and going to him, because I think it's so easy. 
for us to fall into the trap of I'm okay, self-righteousness, I don't need Jesus anymore, I got, I got my get-out-of-hell-free card, and then the, the wheels have to fall off before you go back to him and go, I'm sorry, I need you again, this roller coaster, and then the other part of it is going, well, I'm never going to be good enough, so I might as well not go to him, period. When all the reality is it is, I think we're really hard on ourselves. Yeah. And, when, and perception is reality. If we'll just come down and God's in heaven looking at us going, man, I wish you would just like take it easy on yourself and realize how much I love you and make time to believe in, in your chest and your heart that what I'm saying is the truth and just spend a little time with me. You know, that's and, exactly that's exactly it. You know, if you spend time with the Lord, uh, you start realizing you know, what he likes and what he wants. And then he realizes it's a relationship. If I, if, of course, I've spent a lot of time with you, Matt. We're friends. I can be with you for, I, I, you know, if I spend a lot of time with somebody, I figure out what kind of food they like. I mm-hmm. figure out, I figure out what not to say, what will set them off. <laughs> right, right. You, think, mm-hmm. you, you know, that's called time. And when yeah. we spend time with the Father, and you know what, when I, I used to be the same way, when I would mess up or I would sin, you know, I'd want to draw away from God, and I'd want to yeah. I'd want to run from God because I I didn't want to feel that I didn't want to feel condemned. But now, if I do something wrong, if I lose my temper, or I say something that's hurtful, or I do something that I'm ashamed of, I run mm-hmm. straight to the Father. Yeah, and I say, God, I need you every day. This is you know, I'm sorry. I I I you know, I just I just got to have you every day. Help me, and it's amazing. Yeah. It, it, it's amazing. No condemnation, but just sweet conviction that brings forth healing in our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a. Um, I think it's a. I think what brings God's manifest presence physically into our, our day and our life and every hour and every minute is the constant understanding of how bad we really need Him yes. and how and how much He really wants us and understanding that. You know, no self-righteousness, you know, no matter how long you've been doing this, your, your, your best is still filthy rags and you still need him. And the flip side of it is no matter how bad you think you are, you need him. And, and, and both, and that necessity, you know, and that need for him to guide you daily draws you to him. And the moment that you're screwing up or you feel like you've gone off the deep end, you realize that he's the answer and he's not the big, the big, bad, old Gandalf-looking guy with a long white beard that's waiting to punish you. Right. But it's more the prodigal son, Dad. You know, I, I've always explained this to football coaches because I'm from the South and we use all analogies for football. And, and you have two coaches. You have the one coach who you know, simply wants to – that you would you – know, you're so scared of him because he'll grab you by the face mask and yell at you and throw you on the bench – and you're scared of death, so therefore you do what he says. And then there's the other coach that you love so much, and he's taught you so much, and a lot of a, more of a father figure to, to young guys that you look up to, that you love, that you'll want to run through a brick wall to help him win a game. Yes. And, there's, yes. and so therefore, therefore, that's the coach that people need to see, or that side of God, of that the actions are going to be the same for both of them, but there's going to be a joy over one over than the other and guess what that coach is the one we still to this day i call them coach at 33 years old if i see them in a parking lot i still say hey coach i don't yes. call them by their name i yes. call them coach yes because there's a respect and an honor like you talked about this week an honor there 
out of a relationship of just understanding, man, how good God really is.
I'm back here with uh, Matt Pinnell, and we're talking about the divine order and how he really came into relationship with Jesus and God's grace and what it's done to transform his life. Now, I want to talk to you, Matt. I want to I want to go back to this subject, and I want to ask you, what draws people into action? What causes people to, you know, um, to make those right decisions? Tell me how that works when they're faced with maybe uh, a, a, a positive or a negative or a choice to do wrong. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, basically... You know, I, I like to go back to that coach, the good coach, bad coach. You know, and not and, and there are some. You know, I say bad coach. I mean their their methods, not necessarily their X's and O's. But it can, the, I like to go back to the the my my before I understood who Jesus really was and His love and grace. Now, mind you, listen, I, I I've been in church two or three times a week my whole life since I was basically born. Right. So it has nothing to do with the church attendance. I'm talking about before I actually got into church relationship because I told you I started understanding his grace and his love and it and, and really what that meant what that means is I started understanding the kind of access I had to him. The access that I can believe my way into his presence immediately and then once I'm in his presence I change. And therefore I don't want the things that I I used to. Yeah. And I always ask people, hey, when they're they're struggling with something, I say, hey, go back to the time where you had the best, the most amazing relationship with God that you can remember, where you felt His presence. Maybe the biggest encounter you ever had. Maybe it was a youth camp experience. Maybe it was a conference you went to where you just had the most amazing worship. We just came out of one this weekend here in Oregon where you remember you're on your face, you're crying, crying. God was there. You remember that. Did you walk out of that event and go, man, ah, I cannot wait to go out and send it up tonight. No. It's going to be awesome because you didn't desire it. You didn't no. want it. It's, for, it's, it's a desire on the inside. So basically, actions are dictated by desires. Yeah. And, and so so therefore, you can struggle and, and, and you can try your best. And what, I, what that looks like in the old religious lifestyle that I grew up in was basically changing the paint color on a car. Never changing the oil, never messing with the engine. Right. The engine was still horrible. <laughs> and so one day that car just breaks down and you're like, well, it's got a beautiful paint job. What, well, it looked great. And, and, um, and so what I always ask is, is um, you know, let's go to the what, – what always draws us back to God? And you know what it is? It's his love. The Bible says his, his love is what draws us back to him. And, and and that doesn't mean his acceptance of it's okay to do whatever you want and always come back. I've got you. What that means is the day to day relationship, the tangible presence, you know, ten, the, the, the physical presence of God is what keeps you from ever wanting something that's negative. Let me because say this what, too. Let me say yeah. this too, and I think this is important because this helped me. I have been in. Uh, I've been in places and in times of my life when I was disconnected from God and his love drew me back because he's such an amazing God. But let me just say this. You do have a responsibility to Mm -hmm. feed what you feed grows. Right. So you go to a, you go to a church service or you have a time of prayer and God wrecks you and he draws you not near. Here's my responsibility. The only responsibility I have and that is to feed the spirit man. Yep. And mm-hmm. and to renew my mind. If I'll right. do those part, 
that part because I do have some responsibility in, the, in this thing called my walk with yep. God. You've got yep. two people that are in a relationship. There's two parts of the. God's going to do 90% of it, but my 10% is feed the spirit man and renew my mind. And then it becomes yeah. easy to stay in that place of pure relationship with Jesus. Wouldn't you agree yeah. that? Yeah, I, I do. And it says, you know, faith comes by hearing, you know, the word of God. And so that the podcast that you listen to that gives you faith that of your favorite minister who's preaching correct divine order gospel that you love guess what that doesn't jump off your ipod or your phone into your ears every day (laughs) you have to make you have to make time to to get that in you and get yeah i like to say it like this is that you know i wear i wear contacts and glasses and say i say that i don't have my contacts and i have my glasses that i need and i lose them well the very thing that i the very thing that i lost is the thing that helps me find them yeah. And so it's it's like I, that my my things that help me see help me find things that help me see. And so yeah. basically you don't know what you don't know. And so therefore until you go to that conference, until you force yourself to church and I don't feel like going to church this weekend. I really don't. And guess what? The devil doesn't want you there, so he'll fire darts at you and and just come right. come best to try to stop you. Well guess what? You walk into that place anyway and you usually walk out going, My goodness, I'm glad I went because yes. you just found your you found your vision you found your glasses because you did something that you didn't feel like doing and then you stumbled across your vision your glasses and then you're, you're back on track right right so so that's kind of like how, you know how i want to so you know what so action like i always you know you use this analogy of like no one had to tell paul to go out and write almost all the new testament and do what he did but once he had an encounter with with god when he got knocked on his tail and life completely changed for him, no one had to say, Paul, go do what you did. I, he just went after it. He took off because of an encounter of the truth right. that, 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 that he encountered made him say, you know, people got to know about this. People and and my goal in life, and I guess if you can say my motto and my uh, you know life goal would be to show people a God good enough that they actually want to tell someone else about Him. Yes, yes. Because for so long I preached to God, it was about rules and not about how amazing He really is. And I want to show people how good He is that they go, man, this. This almost seems too good to be true. Yes. And I'm like, you know what? It kind of is. It really well, it, it is. really is. And without God's power, is. we couldn't do it. <laughs> it right. We couldn't enjoy this. This abundant life that we've been given, everything, just, just, just think about it, Matt. Everything we lost in the garden was reconciled in the cross. Yeah. Everything I lost, I got back with the cross. My only responsibility is to just... Find out who I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Find out 100%. find out who I am and whose I am. Right. And, you know, I heard someone say this. You know, if if I walk into, if my daddy is a multi-cajillionaire, I don't ever worry about eating. Right. I don't worry about a nice house. I don't worry right. about, I walk in the room with the aura that my daddy's got it taken care of. Well, yeah. our daddy's got it taken care of. We're his. I'm his yeah. daughter. I'm you're his son. And and when we when the ident- identity of Christ is our identity and mm-hmm. we start walking in what was given to us on Calvary, 
uh, sanctification is a byproduct of that experience. Yeah, exactly. It was one of my favorite, one of my favorite books of all time. That really, I read this actually right after the. I read it right after um, God just wrecked me that day, sitting in my car uh, from that Judah Smith podcast. It actually, um, and that message, by the way, if people want to look it up, it's on YouTube. It's called Embrace Grace, and it's absolutely unbelievable. But um, the, the one of my favorite books is by a lady named Heidi Baker. It's yeah. called Compelled by Love. And she tells a story in that book, and I, I've yet to hardly ever talk about the story without crying my head off. <laughs> so forgive me if I do, but like she talks about, she, she's a, a missionary to Mozambique, you know, a white lady to, in Mozambique. And she talks about in the book of the, the problem with, you know, people in the Western world is that they don't know they're on their deathbed until they're actually in their deathbed. They don't, they don't really know they're sick until they're dying. You know, it's, it's like that far along. And people over there have nothing, but yet they realize they have Jesus, so they have everything, and their countenance and everything has has changed. But there's a there's a spirit there that travels around that area called the orphan spirit, and that spirit that what they do is they they adopt kids every year, and and she she wants to to raise these kids up to be you know some amazing godly young kids and know who they are and whose they are, and she told a story of a kid named Ramadan, I believe was his name, and. And every night, you know, and the kids over there, they don't get Coca-Cola a lot. So that she gives them a Coke. They have a refrigerator just stocked full of Coke. And that, that little boy, every night, she was, they would tuck them in. They would look at them. And I think he was six or seven years old. And they'd go, I love you and God loves you and you belong. And she said that to him. And, and, and she goes, it's nothing. You know, here, here's a white family with a little kid from Mozambique who does, barely doesn't speak any English. You know, it probably feels a little bit odd in their home. In their home, and she goes, "There's, he goes, there's nothing." <laughs> ah, and then the waterworks comes. She goes, "There was nothing more freeing to me than the day that he didn't tiptoe around my house and kind of get nervous anymore and always ask me for a coke." But he walked over to the fridge, <laughs> opened it up himself, and he pulled out a coke and he drank it himself. Yeah, and she really goes. That's the day. That's the day he knew that that orphan spirit was gone. He wasn't adopted, but he was a son. Yes. And I think I think there's so many Christians walking around with the orphan spirit that just don't realize that they belong because of their bad thinking of what kind of God he really is. And he's yeah. just saying, just open up the fridge and and, and expect it and get a coke. Yes. I've I've paid the price for you, and 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 um, I think all of this, you know, he said, what calls people to action? I think. You know, I, I'm going to act like I said, I'm getting married in a couple of weeks to an amazing lady. And it's like my love for her is going to be the reason why I work my tail off to give her everything. Yes. Not because she's going to, you know, uh, constantly berate me and beat me up if I don't. And it's just a relationship out of love is way better than a relationship out of rules. Yes. That's as simple as that. Yes. That is so beautiful. And so, you know, that, that's, that's the responsibility of the church is to preach the gospel in a way that people understand what they're really receiving. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to play a song um, here um, by Brian and Katie Torwalt, and then we'll be right back with you.
Jesus is so good, and his grace is so amazing, and I'm so thankful that we've been able to talk about the grace of God and how it works and operates in our life and what that, that love relationship with Jesus and understanding that I can't get good enough in my own self to receive, his, to receive and to be what God wants me to be. It's through his grace and through what he did on Calvary that I can walk that out. Um, if, if I was a brand new Christian and I'd just gotten saved, Matt, mm-hmm. how would you instruct me what would you tell me? If you could only tell me three things, what would be the three things that you would tell me as a new Christian so that I could grow in my identity and in my knowledge of the Lord and in my relationship? What would you tell me? Well, I, you know, I, I would always, you know, and every time I, I lead someone to the Lord or have someone that I'm, you know, mentoring or, or, or talking with a friend or anybody, I always like to get them to... You know, number one, the word of and staying and reading the word and and getting a pattern, like you said, of you know, faith comes by you know, hearing you know, and doing the word. And so, you know, I would say number one, make sure you got a, a Bible and that you're getting into it, whether you want to or not. And then number two is, um, you know, start feeding yourself with the correct ministers in the podcast. I'm not directing to a few people that I listen to, podcast wise or you know, that, that they can get the word in them by hearing it as well right. on a daily basis. And then three is books, you know, getting into the correct, the, some books that, that will help you grow your faith and, and start changing the way you think. Um, the old cliche, you know, leaders or readers and, and a new believer basically, and what it all boils down to is taking out the old and putting in the new. Yeah. Your best decisions got you where you are, you are right then. Now, this is this is the deal where I, I did the same thing for people who have been in church for 30, 40 years, where literally they may be listening to this right now, and they may say, like, man, this this seems too good to be true. Is, is God really this good that I can start living this way in expectancy? And and, and because the, our, our tendencies are always going to want to go back to cause and effect. If I do this, I get this. If I do this, I get this. And Jesus is just effect. It's just Jesus. It's Jesus plus nothing makes you who you are. And and out of that, you know, your your righteousness comes from daily walk with the king. That he starts I love pulling what things out of you. I love what you're saying here. You're saying number one is you're gonna tell somebody that you gotta get in the word. You gotta know you just got you you've just Come into the kingdom. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords has just brought you in uh, mm-hmm. to this big thing called the kingdom. You're a son. You're a daughter. So you got to le- You've got to start reading about the family you're now in, and right. how that family exactly. operates. Get yourself some good preachers that you can listen to, because you know the truth is a lot of us learn a lot of different ways. And uh, so not right. only reading, but listening to some good preachers and um, books that will help you with your faith and your you know, just all around uh, people skills. And then I would say that the second most or the most important, it's just as important, is a daily prayer life. And, yeah. and you may say, Pastor Kelly, I don't know how to pray. Well, you know how to talk to a friend. Mm-hmm. And there is no right way to pray. Yes, that we should come into our, you know, we teach people to come into his presence with thanksgiving and we give them some instructions. But Jesus is your best friend. He's your father. He's your He's your yeah. everything. So just talk to them like you would your best friend. 
It's not yeah. about a perfect way to pray. It's a relationship. It's a communication. And so if we're mm-hmm. seeking God in the sense of we're reading his word, we're studying, we're showing up to church, we're in a community of believers to hold us accountable, and then we're spending daily time with God. There is not, I've, I tell this sometimes to the church, if, if, I, if I led you to Christ and then I had to drop you on a desert island, if you've got your Bible and you're studying it and you're talking right. to Jesus, I promise you through that Bible and the revelation of the Holy Spirit, you're going to be a giant in the kingdom. Because the, right. the Holy Spirit is a teacher and, mm-hmm. and he will lead us and guide us into all truth. So yeah. he's just, he's all he is is a willing vessel. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's like I've had people tell me before when they hear, they hear me speak like this because there, there's, there's two ways to hear it. There's a, like I said, there's a way to hear it to say, man, you're, you're really just saying I can do what I want and get away with it. And the other way to hear it is like, no, you're saying God's so good. Why would you ever want to leave him? And, and, and I always challenge people with this. It's like, if, if my old way of thinking of rules versus relationship, you know, where I struggled majority of my, my life with, with sin, you know, on the down low in my, in, in the quiet time and behind the scenes, my character integrity was so challenged all the time in my old way of thinking about Jesus. If I'm really saying, do what you want and get away with it, then how come my new way of thinking I've sinned less since then than ever before in my life combined? Yeah. Why? Why I've changed. I, I I show up early to church and get there before everybody else does, so I can I can clean a bathroom or paint a wall because I love the house that he built in the local church and the people that he's there. Because, it, like I said, it's like Jesus, and we could talk all day about this. But Jesus, the more you start, the more you look at Jesus, the more you look like him. And I had this vision years ago. God showed me was that. I'm staring at a mirror and I'm not and, and I'm not looking at myself. I was looking at Jesus. And the more I stared at Jesus in that mirror, the more I was fixing my hair and my face. And my, I started a little slowly but surely looking like him. Yeah. And, and and the more you start to look like Jesus, the more you start to care about what Jesus cares about. Right. You know all Jesus cares about? His people. Yeah. And so you start looking past the guy who cut you off in traffic as a complete moron, which he may drive like a complete moron, but you start looking at him like that guy may be in a hurry for something or somewhat. And you start looking at the call on people's life rather than just their actions. Yes. Seeing yes. who Jesus sees in them. And that can only come from time spent. Like you said, it's just like if I told you, Hey, hey Pastor Kelly, you know, Let's hang out next Monday for two hours. You know, I've got three to six, you know, three to five o'clock. Let's hang out. Let's go get dinner. Let's, let's get the, let's get jacked together. Let's all go hang. And then all of a sudden, you know, I don't show up. And, and, and you sat there for two hours waiting on me. You see me again. And you're like, well, hey, you stood me up. You said you're going to be there and, and you hang out with me. And I go, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, me and Jack, you know, we got together at his place and we talked about you for two hours, even three hours. We went an hour over and how good you are and how amazing you are. And you're still going to be like, yeah, but I, I didn't spend time with you. And what that's, how, that's basically what we've boiled church down to in a lot of places in America is that we show up once a week and we talk about God and how awesome he is. Yeah. But yeah, there's no one-on-one personal relationship. Like you said, willpower is not good enough. You need him. 
And so if you're just once a week talking about him and never actually spending that time with him, man, that's going to be, that's not fun. That's yeah. not a fun you know, lifestyle. I want to tell a story. I, you know, I got saved uh, at 16 years old in a Pentecostal church and I really got saved, Matt. I, it, yeah. was, it was a life changing uh, moment for me. And of course that transpired into, I married and we were, you know, we were in that church and we went, and then 10, 12 years down the road that we went through a lot of transition and the church split up and my husband and I got a divorce and it was just, uh, it was a lot of bad things happened at one time. Okay. And I find myself yeah. not, not going to church, not, not really even living for God, not really talking to God. I am uh, pregnant with my, my fifth child, and I'm not married to her dad. And I'm sitting at a, uh, I'm sitting at a horse race with a couple. And so I'm gambling, pregnant, not married. I'm not proud of any of this, okay? Not living right. And all of a sudden, Matt, I can't explain it, but... But the presence of God hit me, and I remembered what I felt like the day I got saved. I remembered the times of his love and his mercy. I remembered it all. I, for whatever reason, if, if, I felt the presence of God. And yeah. I didn't immediately go back to church, but I, something happened in my heart where I realized that it wasn't about my works because years for years and years I had served God and I had crossed, like I said, crossed every T dotted every I. But at that moment I realized because of the experience I was having at that horse race, how much God loved me. Yeah. And, yeah. and there happened to be this lady that was with me. She was a, um, she hadn't gotten pregnant. She had been on fraternity drugs for 15 years and couldn't get pregnant. And out of my spirit, I prophesied to her that she was going to get, I said, I just feel like you're going to get pregnant in the next 30 days. And wow. I, I, didn't, I didn't even realize what I was doing. Within 30 days, wow. she was pregnant. Later, I realized it was the prophetic gift working in me. But you know what? It was his grace and mercy. Was God, was God blessing my sin? No. But he was showing me that nothing separates me from his love. Yeah. Yeah, his love, his goodness drew you back at that moment. That's exactly at your, right. At your, farthest, at your farthest away. Yes. It, that you felt like you deserved you felt God. And yes. I, I think so many times that we quote the scripture so many times of the devil comes to steal, kill and destroy and he's out in the attack and we have to watch out for the devil kill. And you know, and he is, but I think even more so God loves us a million times more than the devil hates us. That's exactly and, right. And he's setting traps up for us like you at a horse race and his love and, and, and setting up, you know, way more ways of us to fall into the trap of who he is and his love way more than the devil's trying to kill us. That's exactly right. I want to take the time real quick to pray for everybody. We're almost out of time. Thank you so much, Matt. Lord, I just pray for everyone that's listening here today that your love would just saturate 
go through these airways. I pray, God, that, that everyone listening would know you in the power of your love, that your love would be revealed, and, God, that their identity, that our identities would be so rooted and grounded in, in who we are at the cross. Jesus, you paid for us to get that identity back at the cross, and I declare in Jesus' name that, that your church is rising up, and we are intimate with you. We know your word. We're spending time in your presence, and you're changing us by the power of the Holy Ghost. And God, that we are what you are. You're not just a God that we met, but you are Lord of our lives. We are, we are involved with you on a daily basis and you're taking us from glory to glory and you're transforming us by the power of the Holy Ghost. And I just declare the blessing of the Lord over everyone listening to here. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. We encourage you to uh, tune in with us every week. We're so excited about what God's doing across America. and We're so excited about what God's doing um, with this network. We believe that God has raised it up. Be blessed and have a wonderful day. We love you and we'll see you next week. For the past hour, you've been listening to The Warrior's Watch with Pastor Callie Hargraves as your host. For more information concerning this program, go to bpnradio.com.